This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get things going. Welcome to a Monday edition of Sportsnet today on this June 19th. Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked foundation, bowling foundation walls. It'll be a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement This is DLBasementSystems.com. Hope you had a great weekend. We're back on a Monday. Logan, Cam, Taylor, Shan, everybody's in the building. Here with you for the next two hours. We will chat some CFL a little bit later on this hour with Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation. JD going to talk to us about uh, what we saw in week two. Maybe an injury update on Ticats quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell, who left yesterday's loss against the Argonauts. And first impressions of the defending Grey Cup champs. Lions shut out the Elks. Bombers look as good as ever, and the Stamps pick up their first win of the season on uh, Thursday against Ottawa. We'll have a Stamps report with Patty Dumas a little bit later on in the show to get you all things Stampeders. And we'll kick off hour two, chatting with our pal Peter Klein from Daily Hive. Also one of the voices of the Okotoks Dogs. We'll check in with PK on a couple different topics around the sporting world and uh, also get his uh, thoughts on the Okotoks Dogs who have been off to a dominant start to their season. Uh, looking forward to chatting with PK a little bit later on today. A reminder of the fan feedback line. Always open to you here on Sportsnet today. 960-960. For those of you listening live, feel free to chime in, say hi, questions, comments, queries, or join along for this next segment. Because if you haven't been paying attention, the buzz around the Calgary Flames right now revolves around one name and one name only, and that is defenseman Noah Hannafin. Reports coming out that Noah may not be open to an extension with the Calgary Flames, something that GM Craig Conroy said in his initial press conference with the media in Calgary that if those sort of situations were to come up, well, then he'd have to look at a different solution. And that solution may be trading Noah Hannafin away, whether it's Frank Saravalli or Chris Johnston, Pierre Lebron, Elliot Friedman, go down the list of NHL insiders, the rumors around Noah Hannafin and when or if he might get traded continue to gain momentum. They gained more over the weekend. And I thought it'd be a good time to, Bring our listeners here on Sportsnet today into the conversation. Put your GM caps on, and we're going to take your best Noah Hannafin mock trades at 960-960. I've seen plenty of them on Twitter over the weekend. Our pal Mike Gould had one uh, involving Noah Hannafin going to the Seattle Kraken. I know Pat's talked about it on Flames Talk with Ryan Pike, with Aaron Vickers. Uh, But let's get your takes. 960-960. 
reminder that they're going to be read on air. So if you don't want to have opinions on them, maybe don't send them in, but that's okay. Uh, so if Noah Hannafin is going to be traded, if that's the route the Calgary Flames are going down, you get to put on the GM cap. Where is he going? What sort of return can you expect for Noah Hannafin at 26 years old, one year left on his contract, paying him just under $5 million for the next season? 960-960 for those of you listening live. And we thought we would double up with this. Not only can you text in and have this fun conversation with us about Noah Hannafin, but this week as we get closer and closer to Stampede, we're throwing in a little added bonus for you. A little extra little little, something in there. A little extra something for you in there if you text in. If you're uh, wise enough to text in not to 960-960 with your Noah Hannafin mock trade with your first and last name on the deal, you will be entered in for a pair of Stampede Super Passes. The greatest outdoor show on earth is back July 7th to 16th. Stampede Rodeo, Midway Rides, live music, food, everything that you've been craving. We're starting the countdown for the 2023 Stampede. It's almost here, and we got lucky uh, folks to give Super Passes away to. We're going to even wait all week long. A pair of super passes. If you're not sure what a super pass is, it's 10 days of entries into the Calgary Stampede. That's 10 days of fun, music, food, rides, and more. If you don't win them, you can buy them. They're only $51.45 plus GST. They're available online and in-store at participating Sobeys, Safeways, and IGA. Your Stampede Super Pass grants unlimited entry to the Stampede Park for 10 days and access to all these amazing experiences on the stampede grounds. So, the best bang for your buck if you're going to stampede. Exactly. If you're if you're planning on going down to the stampede a bunch, save yourself some money and you can get yourself a super pass. Or if you're listening live and you have a Noah Hannafin mock trade that you would like to send in, put your first and last name on the text. We'll take all of those entries and we'll spit out a winner. We're doing this all week long. Today the super passes we're including it in our Noah Hannafin conversation but if you still have a mock trade that you want to get in but you're not interested in the passes you don't have to put your name in but feel free to 960-960 so this is what we're doing Noah Hannafin mock trades your chance to be the GM you're Craig Conroy you're one of the most likable people in Calgary but Noah Hannafin says thanks but no thanks I'm not going to stick around so you're going to trade them. What does that trade look like? Where is Noah Hannafin going? As far as I'm concerned, Noah Hannafin's value is at its peak right now because of the market that you're looking at in the NHL. With all due respect to the, to the gentleman about to become free agents, this is not the strongest free agent class we're ever talking about. If you're, Ranking free agents, if Noah Hannafin was a free agent on the defensive side of things, he'd probably be at or near the top of the list. At 26 years old, almost 600 NHL games under his belt, he's a proven top four commodity, and now you have an opportunity to trade for him and maybe, maybe extend him 
into the future of your of your team. What does that look like? What do you want back if you are the Calgary Flames? If you're Craig Conroy and this is going to be your first major trade, what do you want back? 960-960. The fan feedback line is open for you to be the GM. Plus, again, if you're sending in your mock trades today, put your first and last name in on the text, and you will be entered to win a pair of Stampede Super Passes uh, for the Calgary Stampede coming up July 7th to 16th. That is unlimited access into the park for all 10 days. So if you have a mock draft already, or or mock trade, excuse me, ready to go already, why not put your first and last name on the text and get entered in for those uh, Super Passes? Or maybe you weren't even planning on doing this. Maybe you're just going to come up with one because now I'm offering you Super Passes. Either way, it works out perfectly. Doesn't matter what your motivation is. You want to trade Noah Hannafin or you want to go to Stampede? Send your text in 960-960. The trades are already flying in. Already flying in. Got cat machine open, running trades through the trade machine. If you want to have have your say on some of these, you go ahead. When I read some of them out, you're going to say, that's terrible, that's awful. You can do that. You want to say, I love that one, I'm going to do that. Yes, let's go for it. Okay. 960-960. Keep throwing them in. I'm going to read some of our favorites here and dissect if we were Craig Conroy, whether or not we would jump on any of these. This one just says trade Hannafin. I love it. That's who that's says no. Very to the point. <laughs> <laughs> you you sir have picked up on what we're doing. Get this guy a special yep. assistant job right now. Uh, okay, so some of our favorites here at 960-960. You have the opportunity to trade Noah Hannafin. You're the GM. Your popularity has peaked because you are Craig Conroy. What are you trading him for? Some of our favorites here at 960-960. This is an interesting one that Rob throws in, and... I don't know that it's on the surface one that would get accepted. But to me, it's an interesting way for the Flames to go. And Rob's trade is to the Rangers, Noah Hannafin and Dylan Dubé. To the Flames, a first, Alex Lafreniere and Ke'Andre Miller. First thing, I think the Rangers probably say no to that price. I think you're probably right. That's just my guess. Um, Maybe if you're talking about taking the first out of there, I think you could... Have a conversation. Lafreniere started to turn things around a bit uh, and starting to look more like the first overall pick that we expected him to be. And I like that line of thinking. If there is a young player out there with high-end potential that Craig Conroy can take a swing at to bring some offense to the Calgary Flames, to bring some of that dynamic scoring ability to the Calgary Flames, I'm open to that. Lafreniere is definitely going to be one of those names that people bring up. Now, can you convince the New York Rangers to give up on a former first overall pick? Maybe. They're in a tough spot. They're in win-now mode, so they don't exactly have time for him to overtake Mika Zibanejad as their next number one center or their most important player in Artemi Panarin, but he's a cheap option right now. The future is still very much in front of him. 
So for the New York Rangers, I, I think that price is probably a little bit too much to pay. But for them to take a chance on two guys that are, look, pretty good against the cap right now, NHL win now, pieces in Hannafin and Dubé, I, I don't think Rob's far off of what you'd be interested in if you were um, the New York Rangers on this side of things. Uh, let's go to do, 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 do. We got a ton coming in here at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. Uh, I'm trying to sift through these. Uh, this is one that's come up a lot and it's interesting to, to dive into is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. There's a pair of names that keep coming up from Toronto for a Noah Hannafin trade. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll go through some of the Leafs ones that we have coming in here. Uh, George text in says Hannafin to the Leafs for Nylander. Maybe we get some more pieces involved. I could see that. Uh, Brad text in with almost the same thing. Hannafin for Nylander. Uh, we've got Hannafin for Willie Styles in Toronto. Maybe picks going either way. Tree is already familiar. Always values defense. Uh, a couple more Toronto ones. Barry texted in Hannafin and Lindholm for Nylander and Bunting. So that's getting... Really big time major move between Trilliving and his uh, former assistant GM in Calgary. Uh, I want to read a couple more. There's a ton of Toronto ones here, and then I'll talk about whether or not that's doable or not. And uh, yes, I, I've seen all of you saying, yes, no flames, Leafs trades. The last time this happened, it didn't go well with GMs. I get it, but there's a kind of a natural fit that we're talking about here. Kevin's on the same train. About Hannafin being traded to Toronto for Nylander. Um, who else is on this one? I'm trying to get there. so many here. It's interesting how kind of Nylander is now propped up. It used to be a lot of Mitch Marner talk, and everyone's like, maybe we can do something, you know, make a package deal for a Mitch Marner. But it seems that that conversation's now shifted to, okay, can we bring a guy like William Nylander to Calgary? And I think that's really interesting. Uh, Jake uh, Hannafin to Toronto with a third round pick for Nylander. Our pal Dan texting in Hannafin and Lindholm for Chicago's first pick. I don't know if that would get it done. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, Dave from Cochran, Hannafin to the Leafs from Mitch Marner. And uh, Nick's on this as well. Noah Hannafin to Toronto for a first-round pick and a third next season. So no Nylander on that one coming back. The Toronto fit is a very interesting one. And uh, there's a natural correlation there about players that Brad Treliving knows. Uh, and I, I totally see why people would feel that way. William Nylander is an interesting idea to look at because obviously we're talking about bringing a forward with lots of offensive potential. Uh, you're talking about a guy that I think in the right circumstance could be a power play one kind of guy for the Calgary Flames. Um, he's got one year left on his deal as well. He's coming in at 27 years old now. He makes 6.9 this upcoming season and then will be a UFA. He's going to make a lot more once that contract runs up too. Yes, that's and that's where we're going next is with Noah Hannafin being a pending UFA and the situation with Craig Conroy talking about moving a UFA doesn't want to be in Calgary. Part of the deal would have to be that you have a contract extension in hand with William Nylander going forward. He's an 87-point player this last year. That's a career high. He hit 40 goals and 47 assists in 82 games. He pumped in another 10 points during the playoffs. 
Obviously, the history with his father in this city is well known. He's a right shot, which I think fits this team very well. He's a Swede, if you haven't realized. They're kind of popular around here. I, I don't think that Noah Hannafin gets you a a Mitch Marner. I, I have to be honest about that. I, I think that that's probably asking too much. I think that there is a natural understanding that Toronto could use a, a guy like Noah Hannafin to show up their D. Calgary looking for more offense would obviously be interested in a guy like William Nylander. I don't know that it's one for one that simple. I really am not sure that it's that easy to get it done. Uh, and look, there's obviously a, a bit of trepidation from Flames fans because, like we've said, we've we've done this before with GMs and moving to different places like Toronto and the next trade being done between two sides not working out well. But it, it happens, and I, I think it's one that, that is worth looking at for sure. I, I think William Nylander would look great uh, in Calgary red. And I think would be a, a great offensive punch for this team going forward. Uh, as a few people have texted in. And as I agree fully with, you're starting to talk about a extension that needs to be in hand for William Nylander before that happens. And what is that number? Is that eight by eight for William Nylander? Is that, are you willing to commit eight years to William Nylander at 27 Right now, a deal that takes him till he's 35. You've got him right in his prime, but we'll see. Uh, a couple more at 960-960. We're doing our Noah Hannafin mock trades. You are the GM. You're sending in your best Noah Hannafin trades or the trade that you want to see the Calgary Flames pull off with Noah Hannafin at 960-960. And as I've told you, if you throw your first and last name on the text, you're entered in to win Monday's pair of Stampede Super Passes. We're giving these away all week long, and today we're tying it in with this on the text line at 960-960. So if your first and last name was on your text, you're automatically entered in to wear, uh, to win a pair of Stampede uh, Super Passes. That is uh, unlimited entry into the Calgary Stampede all 10 days, coming up July 7th to the 16th. Okay, a couple more here uh, at 960960. Uh, so many Toronto ones. Um, <laughs> Flames won't trade for Nylander. He's represented by Lewis Gross. Zero chance, maybe. Uh, okay, let's go through some of these. Uh, no name on this one, but it says uh, Hannafin for Konechny. I like the Konechny part of it. I'm not sure that it's fits what Philly's doing. If Philly perhaps was going to flip Noah Hannafin again afterwards, I, I could see that making sense, but they're in full rebuild mode. I don't know that a pending Noah Hannafin UFA at 26 fits there right now. Um, da, 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 Brandon Texan says, obviously Flames need more firepower. What if you trade Noah Hannafin to New Jersey for Dawson Mercer? Uh, Andy chimes in, uh, Noah Hannafin, uh, I believe he's got him with an extension here, uh, and Dubé to Florida for a first high-end prospect and Anthony Duclair. Uh, this one says a little Pacific, couple Pacific division options here. Again, no name on this one. It says Hannafin and a fourth to Vancouver for Garland, Hoaglander, and a third. 
Uh, Kyle uh, texting in says to the Canucks, flame, uh, Hannafin to the Flames' Besser. Uh, this one says, I like Hannafin for Taylor Hall, Boston guy for Calgary guy straight up. Uh, this one says to Nashville, Noah Hannafin to Calgary, Dante Fabro, 2023 second and a 2023 third round pick. That one's from Davin. Uh, Robin Warman texting in Hannafin Lindholm, a 23 first for Columbus's first round pick and a third. That would be the third overall pick uh, currently held by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, where else we got here? Uh, Merv texting in saying Hannafin to Seattle for geeky Susie and a 23, uh, 2023 first round pick. Uh, that's interesting. And I would highly recommend anybody check out, go check out Mike Gould's, uh, mock draft. He just did one up, uh, for Noah Hannafin involving a trade to Seattle. So maybe your, uh, Seattle and Calgary trade is similar to Mike's. You can go check that out on Twitter. Um, what else we got here? More Boston's, uh, this one's from Joseph. Uh, Boston with two or three prospects uh, for Holland, DeBrusque, uh, Sandpaper, Talent, and Louie would have to come to Calgary games. Uh, another Vancouver one. This is from Kelly to Vancouver. Noah Hannafin to Calgary, the 11th overall pick, uh, third round pick in 23, a fourth round pick in 23, Niels Hoaglander and Connor Garland, Vancouver retaining uh, $1.7 on a Connor Garland contract. Uh, I like this one. No name on this one, but uh, Hannafin to St. Louis straight up for the 10th overall pick. Don't totally dislike that. It's an interesting one I haven't heard before. I like that. That is different, but I like it. Um, Again, no name on this one. It says Hannafin to New Jersey for their 2023 first round pick in Alexander Holtz. Um, More Columbus for the third overall pick. Um... Nine six zero nine six zero popping off right now. One for one. I've seen this is one that's come up a couple of times, and I it's honestly one I hadn't thought about, but one that kind of intrigues me. Uh, if you haven't heard Carolina uh, in in talks with Brett Pesci right now, their twenty eight year old right shot D, he's also a pending UFA after next season. Um, they have made it clear if they can't get something done with him, they're expected to move on from him this off season. And a couple of you on the text line have presented the idea of perhaps swapping Noah Hannafin for Brett Pesci. The only thing I wonder about that is you're adding another right shot D to the mix in Calgary, where you've got a couple of good ones already. I like Brett Pesci a lot. Six, three, 200 pounds, really strong defender. One of the top underrated, I think, defensive guys in the NHL going forward. And who knows how maybe how long Chris Tanev plays. Maybe there's your natural sort of fit for your top defender in Calgary in a Brett Pesci. But more than one person, I can tell you, uh, on this mock trade that we've been doing here at 960-960, have brought up the idea of maybe bringing in Brett Pesci. And not one that I... I, I totally dislike it's you're getting older again. You're going to need to make sure that there's a contract in hand for any sort of pending UFA, but still an interesting idea to talk about for sure. Um, Matt McQueen, uh regular texter, uh, Noah Hannafin to the Rangers straight up for Lafreniere. 
Uh, Allian Chestemir says, what about Hannafin and change for Debrinket? That's an interesting one uh, coming up for sure. Uh, what about Hannafin to Pittsburgh for the 14th overall pick and Noah and Owen Pickering, excuse me. Uh, I want to get a couple more of these in uh, before we get out of here, but I appreciate everyone texting in. Uh, here's another St. Louis one. Noah Hannafin and a first next year to St. Louis for Jake Neighbors and Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, more Carolina ones. Noah Hannafin to Carolina for Tevu Teravainen. Perhaps. Um, some of these that are just straight up, straight him here. Uh, Craig, Craig, this one just says, trade Hannafin to Detroit for Stevie Y. Sorry, Craig. Come on now. That'll go. We got to give we Craig some time. We haven't even seen what Craig can do. We got to give him more time than that. We're going to keep Craig for a while. A uh, couple more here before we get out. Um, Hannafin and Markstrom to Winnipeg for Wheeler, Hellebuck, and the Flames' second-round pick in 2024. That would be a monster trade. Uh, and we'll send us off with Brad, uh, another Boston trade. Hannafin and Dubé for DeBrusque and Hall. That is just a brief summation of, I, I kid you not, more text than I could read in this segment when it comes to mock trades and, and Noah Hannafin, the Calgary Flames. There are so many different options uh, for Noah Hannafin and for Craig Conroy. I'm interested to see where this goes for the Calgary Flames. It's his first major deal if this is what happens. I mean, again, all of this is is if. This is what we've heard the latest and you understand why Craig Conroy would have to look at these options. Again, I think Noah Hannafin's one of the top defensive options out there for teams. If you're not going to get it in free agency, you're going to have to trade. And uh, if Calgary is making Noah Hannafin available, there's going to be a lot of teams interested. We're going to be curious to see where this one goes. Thank you for texting in at 960-960. When we come back, we will tell you uh, who won today's Stampede Super Passes and tell you more about uh, just how great those super passes are. Uh, we'll have ones to give away all week long here on Sportsnet today, so keep it locked for that. We'll also uh, dive into some CFL talk. Week two in the books. Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation joins us around the corner. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet today, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, Sportsnet today is rolling on. Logan Gordon along with you. Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. And now shifting our focus over to the CFL. Week two in the books with a big win for the Toronto Argonauts last night. 32-14 over their provincial rivals, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Tons of storylines flying around the CFL right now. And there's only one person we like to talk to uh, when we're bringing up all things CFL. It's our pal Justin Dunk. From Three Down Nation, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, JD, my man. It's been a while. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, buddy. What about yourself? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for uh, for hopping on today. Always appreciate it. Uh, big start for the Argos, defending Grey Cup champions, and a pretty good start to their season last night, hey? 
It was all right. Raise a banner, get some replica rings handed out. I mean, the players have had theirs for a while now, and then get a win over your hated rival. I think all in all, it was pretty good. No, by the way, Swag Kelly season is officially underway with a trio of touchdowns from Chad Kelly. So everything's coming up Argos right now. That's going to be a, a really big boost to their confidence. McLeod Bethel Thompson has kind of been the guy there the last couple of years. And, you know, look, you won a great cup for the most part on the back of, of him last year. Chad Kelly's coming in with a lot of expectations on. You've got all this talent. They're still spending money in T.O. To have that be his first start this season would have been, I think, a, a breath of fresh air for a lot of Argos fans and probably a lot of coaches, too. Definitely. I mean, the coaches and personnel staff in Toronto were all really high on Chad Kelly's ability. Obviously, he had to show that he could translate it to the game. But the fact that he had that performance after the Argos had a bye week in week one and were sitting around watching everybody else play. So it was the first real time that he played regular season football. And he played, I thought, very well and within himself, took some deep shots, ran when he needed to, made Jagarrett Davis missing a phone booth, grabbing it air for that first <laughs> touchdown run, and then got things rolling. I think speaks volumes. And then when you consider the Tiger Cats, they had a week, right? They yep. played in Winnipeg. Yes, it was a tough test. And Bully by Mitchell missed some deep shots down the field that could have made that game a little closer. But they should have had the advantage in that game. It seemed like a bit of a trap game for the Argos, but they overcame that with their depth running the football, Chad Kelly making smart decisions, and that defense once again under Corey Mace. I know you know him well out there, as do a lot of your listeners during his time with the Calgary Stampeders, did some things to throw Bo Levi Mitchell off his game enough where he turned the football over at key moments. And it shouldn't go without saying that that pass rush looks fierce from the Argos, led by the highest-paid defensive end in the league, Falaran Ormelade, at $240,000 a year. I thought he showed that he deserves that title to be the highest paid DE, at least through one week of the Argos season. And how about it, the, the post-game reaction from a couple of players watching uh, Chad Kelly, including his uncle, who, of course, we know uh, as NFL legend Jim Kelly and even Ryan Dinwiddie, his head coach. You had it up at Three Down Nation, J.D. Uh, like the, the, the running game, obviously it's a big part of his game, but uh, his uncle and even his head coach are a little bit weary of some of those hits he was taking in week one. Yes, indeed. And both those guys play quarterback at a high level. Obviously, Jim Kelly took the Buffalo Bills to four straight great cups and is a legend in the NFL from his playing days. And I was in the locker room asking Chad Kelly about that, his conversations with Jim Kelly. And he said, yeah, my uncle texted me after the game and said, you know, get down and stop taking those hits. And that was the same thing that Ryan did when he said he came over the sideline after he took one late in the ball game on a zone read play. So for the uninitiated, a play where he could have handed it off to the running back but decided to keep it himself. And Ryan Dinwiddie was like, what the heck are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> don't take any hits. We're up big. Like, you know, you can make it on this next week, obviously, and make smarter decisions. But I think you really wanted to drive that home. That, hey, we need you to stay healthy because we believe in you and this offense can be dynamic with you pulling the trigger. On the other side of the ball last night, uh, health now a big worry in Hamilton. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell forced out of the loss with an injury. Uh, Orlando Steinauer saying he just didn't feel well enough to come back and a uh, lower body injury wasn't good enough to come back in that game. Wouldn't really speculate, but uh, JD, looking at what we saw last night and the little information we've had post game, how worried should Ticats fans be about this early season injury to Bo? Yeah, I definitely think they should be worried just based on him walking off the field as gingerly as he did and the ice pack that he had around his leg there and that kind of 
lower thigh hamstring area should be a concern when you consider that this is a guy you spent over $500,000 on. The Tiger Cats brought him in a year where they're hosting the Grey Cup, so it's essentially Grey Cup or bust in Hamilton. I mean, it is usually for a lot of teams, but this year the way the Tiger Cats have constructed a more veteran roster, it is the case. So I think there should be some concern there, but I think until we actually get a real diagnosis and hear from Bo and see how he feels after a day or two of rest before he gets back on the field, I think that could be critical. And I think that's why Orlando Steinauer didn't want to speculate because you never know how these things are going to go. Injury aside, how worrying is the start for Bo Levi Mitchell and Hamilton? I know it's it's still early, but uh, you guys had the numbers at three down nation. You know, is worrying in the sense that he's turning the football over way too much, and you simply just can't do that in any level of football. I don't care if it's flag football with the kids or minor tackle football or the NFL, CFL, XFL, USFL, whatever league it is. Over in Europe, shout out to my boy JC Abbott <laughs> at Three Donation, who loves the global the global version of football across the world. You can't turn the football over, and that's yeah. really the issue with Bowie by Mitchell. And he would say the same thing. He said that when I asked him about what happened in Winnipeg, it was the same thing. He said it just wasn't good enough. So, I think if you look at that ball game, you know, especially that first interception that he threw, the Ticats were on the move. They had a rhythm. They were looking good, and it looked like to me it was a bit of a scramble drill gone wrong and Bo Levi Mitchell floats one in the end zone and it gets intercepted by Quintez Stiggers, a 21-year-old defensive back who was starting as a rookie for the Argos. And that was a big turning point in the game that I think a lot of people sort of miss because there's such a microscope on the later parts of the game and how well Chad Kelly played. So Bo Levi Mitchell would tell you that he's got to stop turning over the football and also the Tiger Cats got to stop taking penalties literally in all phases of the game. Orlando Steinauer talked about it, but they have to be more disciplined. Jameer Thurman after the game, former Calgary Stampede, said, we just can't do this. Regardless of the time that we might need to gel because we're all together, we're veteran enough as a group that we need to understand that we can't be taking these penalties that are costing the Ticats dearly in their first two losses. As the losses pile up in Hamilton, do you see the, the fire being turned up there just knowing – how much money they spent this offseason, knowing how important it is with the Great Cup being in Hamilton this year, J.D.? Definitely. And, I mean, the Tiger Cats will tell you that they're going to spend to the cap just like every team. And I actually don't mind teams spending over the salary cap up to that about $100,000 mark because then you're just paying a dollar-for-dollar penalty. If you go over that, you start losing draft picks. I don't think that would be wise with the Canadian talent that's coming through the pipeline now. But I think where the heat is going to get turned up is on Orlando Steinauer. You have Scott Milanovic sort of waiting around in the wings and was at camp Mm -hmm. for a little bit. And Steinauer didn't necessarily want to expand on his role. But Scott Milanovic has led a team to a great cup victory before. He did it in Toronto in 2012 for the 100th great cup. So he knows how to get it done. And Steinauer has yet to do that. So I think that you have to understand that the heat is going to get cranked up. The questions are going to get more difficult as you continue to have especially slow starts to the season, that has been something that has plagued the Tiger Cats other than the 2019 year when they went 15-3. and So they need to get the penalties corrected quickly because if you are an administrator, let's say in this instance Matt Affneck is the president or Scott Mitchell is the CEO of the Tiger Cats, you're thinking, well, if these penalty issues continue, who's that a reflection on? Is the message not getting through from the head coach? I think those are the types of questions that you start to ask. It's early, and I'm not saying a move is going to be made, but mm-hmm. the pressure is certainly getting amped up. 
Uh, JD, which offense is more concerning for you right now, Edmonton's or Ottawa's? It has to be Edmonton's, to be quite honest, because Ottawa hasn't had their number one guy, Jeremiah Masoli, under center. And I think there were some flashes there from Tyree Adams. And I actually thought, with all due respect to Nick Arbuckle, that Adams should have started that week two game for the Red Blacks. So I think they should stick with him as long as it takes for Jeremiah Masoli to get back to 100%, because I think this offense will look totally different in the nation's capital with Masoli pulling the trigger. We saw that last year before the injury that he suffered, thanks to Garrett Marino, that he's still trying to come back from now. So I would be more concerned, way more concerned, about the Edmonton Elks and Taylor Cornelius. And there's two ways to look at this. I understand why Chris Jones wants to stick with Taylor Cornelius. You want to give him time to figure it out. They gave him a starters-level contract in terms of the dollars that he's going to make this year from the Edmonton Elks when they signed to that contract extension during last season. So I think they want to see if he can figure it out. But you know what it's like in the West Division, Logan. You can't afford to be going 0-3, 0-4, 0-5 unless you're the 2011 BC Lions and think you're going to get to a great cup. So I think that Taylor Cornelius is playing for his job here. And a lot of people like Kai Loxley over there in Edmonton. And I can't quite understand why Trey Ford hasn't got an opportunity because yeah. came in in his first career CFL start last year helped the Elks win a ball game in Hamilton and then was looking pretty good against Calgary before he got knocked out for the majority of the rest of the year. And he's a guy that has elite athleticism and has shown flashes and seems to have developed and improved. That's the thing with Taylor Cornelius. You give him all these new receivers. He spent over, or sorry, the Elks have spent almost a million dollars on the receiving core of a cap that's just over $5 million. And it doesn't seem like it's helped Cornelius so you wonder what another quarterback could do with that group around him and I think those questions at least have to be asked if Cornelius continues to struggle and uh, don't look now but week three Edmonton back at home with that massive losing streak holding over their head and we just talked about how good the Argos looked in in week uh, their first week out in in week two here JD it feels like there's a lot of pressure already looking ahead to Sunday in Edmonton (laughs) definitely and I'll make an argument here that Corey Mace might be right now the best defensive game planner in the league. Look what he did in the Grey Cup to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Zach Caleros, who was on a torrid pace last year and pretty much lit up every defense except for, you know, really one bad week that he had in Edmonton where he hit seven completions last season. Caleros was far and away, obviously, the CFL MOP, but he mixed some things up on him in the Grey Cup, and I thought that was a large reason why they won it. I know a lot of the focus, and I'm on the bandwagon as well about Chad Kelly being a franchise guy as a quarterback, and he had the big run on second along in the Grey Cup, but Corey Mace, I felt like, had a big impact in that Grey Cup game. I felt like he had a big impact in Week 2, scheming it up for the Argos against Bo Levi Mitchell and that star-studded receiving core that they have, led by Duke Williams and Tim White, so He's not going to be scared going in there against Edmonton and Geno Lewis and Dylan Mitchell and Stephen Dunbar because they haven't really flashed anything. So he's probably thinking, you know, I can cook up some looks here, confuse Cornelius even more. And I think this is a dangerous spot to be for Edmonton because it's a very difficult task. The Argos are deep. They play smart football. They're supremely focused. Ryan did what he said in the post game last night when I was in the room that his team is starting to get it now, that they're not trying to go 2-0 this week. They're just trying to go 1-0. And that is something that you hear from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And obviously they've been the best team in the CFL since the 2019 season up until now. I would even argue that 
you know, they were just a bounce or two from playing bad football and could have won the Great Cup last year. So if the Argos are starting to get to that level, then they could be scary good, especially in the East Division. So it's a big-time matchup for Edmonton to show out. And I think Chris Jones wants to stop answering questions about this losing streak, but the easiest way to do that is win at home. Justin Dunks along with us, our pal from Three Down Nation, breaking down everything that we saw in Week 2 of CFL action. And you went right where I wanted to go next, J.D., and that's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who I said it after their first week, and I have to continue to say it after Week 2, continue to look like the class of the CFL until I'm I'm convinced otherwise by somebody else. Toronto looked good, but still hard to look past what Winnipeg's doing and that continuation just, you know, continuing what Mike O'Shea's built there over the last couple of years and bringing in guys. I mean, Kenny Lawler hasn't even shown up yet, and this team looks like they're miles ahead of other teams, and that's probably just due to the fact they've been around and been a team like this for so long, J.D. Indeed. Kenny Lawler hasn't even shown up yet, and Zach Laris has thrown for over 600 yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions. And arguably their best receiver is not even on the field yet. So I think that shows you the level that Calaris is playing at, and it also gives you a bit of an idea of how much better this passing attack could be. And I just think the Bombers are the best at playing complementary football. If you watch the game, and it's something that goes under the radar, even for, I think, sort of the rabid CFL fans, but the way that Mike O'Shea plays the field position game is so smart that he helps generate great field position for his offense to start in. They take advantage of that. He makes, I think, exceptional decisions in terms of when to punt, when to kick field goals, and how he manages field position. I think that is one of the things that goes underrated from his standpoint as a game manager, from a head coach standpoint. And I bet on the other side, if you're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and you told head coach Craig Dickinson that, okay, Trevor Harris is going to go out and play. He's going to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. You're going to have two receivers go over 100 yards, but you're going to lose by 18 points. You'd be like, I just can't see that happening. <laughs> but that's what happens against Winnipeg, right? They get yeah. up on you, which means Trevor Harris had to throw the football a lot. And then the Bombers can just rush the passer. Now, Trevor Harris looked great, and I think that it's a loss that the Riders can take some positives away. But if you're looking at it from the Blue Bomber standpoint, it shows how far and above they are right now with everybody else. That's not to say that they can't suffer a loss or two as the season goes along or maybe they hit a stretcher, but it's just so hard to see that happening right now with the way they play football. Uh, just before we let you go, you mentioned those stats from Trevor Harris. I'm curious if you were keeping those stats uh, by yourself, live tracking them yourself, because uh, I know the league's <laughs> had their own problems with it. Look, you and me both love this league, man. But I just I can't believe we're still having this conversation heading into week three uh, about this whole stat tracking thing. The league's got to get this figured out, right? Yes, they do, man. And you have people talking about it on social media for yet another week, right? And everybody's making genius sports jokes. And I think as they should, you want to be viewed as a professional football league. And I think it should be that way because the players get paid, the coaches get paid, the player personnel people get paid, right? The people in the league office get paid. It's a professional league. But when you don't have live stats, and even worse, when you have conflicting stats, like oh. when TSN has different stats than the CFL, that is not a good look. Mm -hmm. So this should have been cleaned up before the season. We're talking about, like, what, six months for the league office to prepare and just have stats running? We're living in 2023, bro. Like, this ain't <laughs> the year 2000 or the 1990s where the Internet was just getting rolling, okay? Like, the CFL has to get this figured out. And then 
people at the league office turn around and they wonder why they're the butt of so many jokes. Well, it's because you can't even have a proper stat system set up for the regular season of this game that you want people to respect. So they need to get it fixed. I know they're working on it diligently behind the scenes. But the other part of this, and not too many people will, will admit it, is the staff there just from an overall standpoint is stretched really thin. So I think that's part of the reason too, but they got to get this figured out soon. Uh, JD, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. And we'll, uh, again, we'll chat throughout the season as it goes, man. Thanks for, uh, for doing this today. You bet, buddy. Happy to be on with you. Take care, Justin. Justin Dunk joining us down the uh, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's our pal from Three Down Nation. You can find him on Twitter at jdunk12, uh, one of our favorites to chat with. All things CFL. We'll get you the stamp side of things coming up in hour two. Uh, Patty Dumas got your stamps report. They're coming off a big win last Thursday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So I know a couple people, why aren't you talking stamps? We got our stamps reports covered. Don't you worry about that. Uh, we got JD to cover just about everything else going on. Uh, across the CFL right now and uh, week three coming up here for the Stampeders. They will host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday at McMahon Stadium. But the week kicks off. Good matchup. BC and Winnipeg, both teams 2-0 to start the season. That goes Thursday at 6.30. Friday night football, Montreal, Hamilton. Will Bo Levi Mitchell be healthy enough to start for Hamilton? That's something we'll keep our eye on. And then, yes, Sunday in Edmonton, another chance for the Elks to end that long home losing streak, but they'll have a challenge on their hands with the Toronto Argonauts who look great to kick off their CFL season in week two. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, kicking off hour two with a chat with our pal, Peter Klein. Looking forward to chatting with PK. He's around the corner coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.